Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of 12-Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12. The best business phone service is chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over Pac-12 countries stay connected with customers and coworkers using, using one... Uno! Easy to use app. Get Nextiva for your business to get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, EMAS! All for a fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Visit nextiva.com slash 12 pack to get started. Nextiva.com slash 12 pack to get started. For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news and the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model, where we have our 2022 college football projections already up on sharpcollegefootball.com. And thanks for joining us. We're going to do uh, a more national look today. We're going to look into the top Beta Rank team's uh, projections numbers 16 to 30 if you haven't tuned in last week we did teams 1 through 15 which was pretty awesome we had two Pac-12 teams in there Utah and Oregon but really want to take more of a national focus here on the next round of teams just digging into the numbers digging into uh, where they project how they did last year kind of what to expect moving forward and to do that I'm joined as always by Rob Barron from Sharp College Football what's going on Rob? Oh, I'm, I'm excited to be here. We're cranking through. I've got to do a Michigan video in the next day or so previewing them. Yeah, but it's been uh, pretty good. Like the Utah video got some traction. The Oklahoma videos got some traction. And it is fun to be digging in and kind of seeing um, not only where these teams project, but, you know, when I actually have a chance to dig in and do the schedule run through, like where they project versus their schedule. Yeah, and it's fun. And, and we I know we focus often on the Pac-12, but we do follow a lot of national college football. I mean, like I'm constantly listening to podcasts, I'm watching the games and it's fun to be able to kind of spread our wings a little bit more to talk through uh, other offensive coordinators, what's going on in other conferences, because um, it's a lot of fun. And I think that this next round of teams that we did, and again, if you didn't watch or listen to the first version um, of this podcast, where we went through teams one through 15, definitely do that. So we stopped at Cincinnati, which was number 15 and we had covered Oregon, which is number 14. And we're getting into kind of some dark horses, uh, maybe not to win the national title, but kind of those teams, I think, at least in my mind, that can get to that 10 and two, you know, uh, area where maybe they come up and they, they bite a team at home and the, and the crowd's going nuts. And then, you know, they've recruited pretty well and they're scheming well. And it's just, it's a really interesting mix of teams that we have, uh, moving forward. You know, this, we're going to start at number 16 with uh, North Carolina state and then go, I think, depending on how long this conversation goes all the way down to 30, which would be Purdue. But um, 
And by the way, all of these numbers you can find at sharpcollegefootball.com. We go through recruiting rankings. It's it's really a big blend of where teams um, were able to – well, you, you know it better than I do. I was trying to explain beta rank, and, and you created it, Rob. So maybe a quick reminder of like what, <laughs> what, you know, what's this gumbo that you've put together that um, puts together some interesting projections? So what you're going to see here is it's – part of it is your beta rank from prior year, your final beta rank from the prior year, your – Offensive and defensive, you know, special team scores that went into that. Um, your returning production from Bill Connolly, and then your recruiting ranking, and then a coaching and development score. Um, so your recruiting ranking is the prior two years. So it's trying to look at, um, you know, what you have coming in, sort of, you know, natural talent coming in from the, you know, in the door. Um, your returning production, you know, and then I use that interacting with the, uh, the prior year beta rank kind of tells you how good the guys that you have that are going to be back are going to be. Um, and then the coaching and development kind of gives us a, a look at overall over the past few years. How have you either over or underperformed your what would have, what you would have been expected to do just based on your recruiting rankings and returning production and your prior? So it does try to look at it basically and say, um, and I think the the coaching and development number that we put together is is one of the more interesting ones that you'll see out there. It's more complete than ones that you see that are based on the NFL draft. Um, and I think it does a, a good job also because you'll often say you'll find people say, uh, you know, kind of falsely saying, you know, that Alabama, <clears throat> Nick Saban basically just recruits, recruits, recruits. And that's his secret. Um, Nick Saban also does a really good job coaching up his guys. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like you. Um, if you just recruit and don't coach him, you're basically Texas. Yeah. Uh, you're USC. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was interesting with with this next group of teams because what we've been trying to do is is talk about these in batches so right so your score really dictates like how high of a level you are competing at and of course there are significant drop-offs and we've talked about this like the difference between alabama and notre dame is like probably 14 points like on a neutral field like even though they're only like nine you know nine spaces between each other so we ended up last week talking about Oregon and Cincinnati, and they're kind of still in this same group as these next four teams that I'm going to talk through, or the next three teams. So they're all in like the 1.3 range, um, and two of them, actually three of them are exceptionally close. So the next the next teams we have up at number 16, uh, North Carolina State, number 17, Penn State, number 18, Auburn. And that, that goes from like 1.36 to 1.28. So really, a, a which is a very closely knit group of teams that I think like on a neutral field would probably be like, what would be the difference between like Oregon and Auburn if you put them on well, a I just neutral pulled field? it up. So like to give you an idea. So like North Carolina State, Alabama would be favored over them by about 20 points on a neutral field. So Oregon and Auburn coming into this next year would be a toss up between the two. Oregon would basically be like a 52% like win probability. So slightly over 50%, um, but not enough to move the, you know, that wouldn't even give you half a point. Yeah. That's crazy. Like the spread five teams, right. Separated by like five or six slots and yep. basically the same number that, that you're going to spit out. So these are going to be really, really even. So, but they um, all have different reasons that they're there. Right. Like, I mean, like for example, like NC state, right. Like their, their recruiting is at 45, like Cincinnati, their recruiting is at 55. Right. 
Oregon's at 10. Like Oregon's a lot of what's pushing Oregon up is their recruit. Like, so it is useful to kind of try to think through and understand like, how did we get to these scores? Because like, they're not all there because they're the exact same ingredients, you know, coming in. Yeah. Which is super fun when we start picking games and stuff. Cause you could say, Oh snap, like their explosive plays that they allow are awful. And Holy Moses, here comes Oregon. <laughs> you know, Like that's kind of where you right. can get those edges. Um, well, okay. Between, NC State, Penn State, and Auburn. Where do you want to start with those teams? Anybody that sticks out? Anything that comes to mind when it comes to these guys? I really like this North Carolina State team to talk about for next year. Actually, you know, like there. So there's a uh, there's a former Pac-12 guy, Tony Gibson, in charge of their defense. Really good get. Uh, he had been on Rich Rod's staff at Arizona. <laughs> Rich Rod should have just made him the dang play caller <laughs> for as bad as the defensive coordinating got at Arizona. Um, but Gibson uh, was at West Virginia as co-defensive coordinator got hired away by NC State. Um, their defense was at 13 overall in beta rank last season, and that's what really drove you know their uh, you know their real success last year. Their offense only graded out at 57 overall. So there's really significant room for improvement on offense. I like their offensive coordinator, Tim Beck. Um, he was last prior to NC State. He was um, on staff at Texas and had a pretty good offense. Uh, you know, and I, I think Beck's had some pretty good units over the years. I think there's still room for them to improve a lot. Uh, they were at 67 on special teams last season, too. There's another number that kind of jumps out at you is like, get a good place kicker and potentially you take a big step forward. Um, but not only that, North Carolina state's number 12 overall in returning production. They're at number five at returning production on the defense. You should expect this defense to be a top 10 defense next season. Um, at 37%, 37 overall returning production on the offensive side of the ball, 75% of the offensive production is coming back. I think that bodes well for them too, to take that step forward on offense. I think NC state has a ceiling really as a top 10 team. The one thing that gives me some pause is the offense, like you mentioned. So yeah. yeah, the defense is pretty solid. The offense didn't strike me as super creative. And I was yeah. really fascinated to see what that holiday bowl would have been, right? Because they, they really did. They, they've been consistently pretty good, right? Like eight wins, seven wins, eight wins, nine wins. That's kind of like, it seems that the, the coaching staff has really set a floor for NC State. But is there anybody like, I don't know. I just like... It, I know that NC State was kind of like a darling for a lot of people that call, that followed college football this past year, and like they didn't really end up. It was actually Wake Forest that that was the team that just popped up out of nowhere, and I think a lot of people had identified uh, NC State to be that team. But is there anything else that gives you some encouragement, like for them to actually make that leap? Because I agree with you. I think the offense is the one area that's holding that team from you know winning double digits and trying to make you know a New Year Six game. Well, so the one thing I would say is like that Tim Beck's offense tends to be a lot more big play and they were last season. <clears throat> like they were at 25 and explosive drives, but they were at 87 and drive efficiency. And that's where I think experience is going to have to come in for them and, and play a role. Um, you know, they last season and like the other thing that you're going to have to watch out for with them, if they're actually going to take that step forward is they're going to have to, where is it at here? North Carolina. Ah, oh, there we go. NC state. So they only graded out at six. Their running game wasn't great last year. They were far better throwing the football. The offensive line's got to take a step forward. They were graded out at 66 in football outsiders line yards. It only two in line yards are 
yards yards that you can basically attribute to the offensive line rather than the running back. So the blocking, and they got two point six six yards there. You know, running the running backs had to do a lot of work. A <laughs> <laughs> um, little better on their sack rate. They were at five point four percent, which gave them you know thirty seven overall. I think that they, you know, I think that that's going to be a big factor for them is like whether their offensive line's able to take a little bit of a step forward, take a little bit of the pressure off the quarterback. But I, I mean, like for the most part, like I think that this defense could be really, really good. Um, and we're really talking about too. I mean, like what I think of, like you know, I think that they have top ten potential in advanced stats if the offense takes a step forward. Um, but the ACC has been so bad, you could see NC State like Wake or Pitt be a be a middle of the road advanced stats team ish, like top top twenty five, but not top ten, but be top ten in the in the polls, right? Because they pile up wins at a bad conference. Hmm. They're playing UConn. That'll be fun. Oh man, they got an easy schedule. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's let's move to to Penn State. Yeah, this is a team that I think is fascinating when we're looking in uh, to the top fifteen, or I'm sorry, the you know sixteen through thirty. I'm just looking through this and I'm thinking of any of the teams that I'm looking at. It seems as if this would be my one number one or number two for finishing in the top ten. They have a good recruiting class. Um, they have interesting coaches. And, you know, the, I think they were snake bitten certainly during COVID, like, right? That team just gave up. Yeah. Um, you know, they came back, didn't, I don't think they played up to expectations of what a lot of Penn State fans would have expected. So I think 17 is fine here, but they have been recruiting at a really high level. And I think that coaching staff is one that could quite get, you know, get them o- over the top. They just brought in Manny Diaz as the defensive coordinator. I don't know if you like that higher up. I, you know, I'm a, I don't love it. Yeah. I mean, like he, I mean, Brett Pry, who's their DC was really good. Um, he's off to be the head coach of Virginia tech. They were at eight overall on defense last year. Um, I mean, it's odd. Like, cause like, I, I mean, I think Mike Yersich, who is their offensive coordinator, who was also at Texas, <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, he actually followed up. Uh, he was the successor uh, after Todd Beck got fired. Um, and he, like, I mean, and he had some really good offenses at um, at Oklahoma State. I mean, but it, they were god awful on offense last year. They were at 70 overall in beta rank. They weren't efficient, 51 there, 98 in explosive drives, um, you know, 103 in effective rush, 35 in effective pass. I mean, I just here's the thing with Penn State though. I mean, and I feel like this is this is like a real James Franklin problem. I mean, they just keep recruiting guys that have no shot of ever playing it down of NFL football at quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm not saying like like it's college football. You don't necessarily you like to win college football games and put together a great team. You don't necessarily have to have a future NFL starter slinging it around. I mean, Stetson Bennett is not likely a day one or two pick, <laughs> but I do think that you have to have something a little more serviceable than we had out of them. Um, and I do think too, you know, like as we scroll down here, I bet that we're going to find it in their offensive line numbers. I mean, they ranked at one sixteen in line yards, 2.36. I mean, that's like, that's a major problem. They were at 75th overall in sack rate, 6.9%. Like their offensive line stunk. <laughs> and I do think they're going to need, like they're going to need some real help there. 
you can talk me into the offense. I mean, that offense should take a major step forward. They should. They they're too talented to sit around at seventy. But how far they take a step forward is, a, I think, is an interesting question. We're certainly projecting them to take a big step forward there. Um, you know, they don't have like they only have about fifty-seven percent of their production coming back on defense, but they have recruited pretty well. You know, you do expect them. You, I think they should be better. I think they're still going to get waxed by the Buckeyes. But a lot of people will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they can get in line on that one. Uh, you know, interesting games. They have Ohio. They got Central Michigan, which is uh, interesting to me. Um, gosh, he's the coach. He, he was at Florida for a little bit. He was the Colorado State coach. Oh my gosh, the guy that they they there was the like the drunk guy that wasn't him that was hugging the shark on the boat. Uh, anyway, they, an interesting. Oh yeah, John McElwain. Yeah, John yeah. McElwain. That's right. <laughs> like, which is which is not him. Before we get sued for libel yeah, or something true. like that, but still, like, <laughs> it looked a lot like him. It looked a lot like Jim McElwain. It just released at the exact worst moment of time for him, right? Like he's just on fire. Everybody's like as their pitchforks out, and then that picture comes out. They're like, "It's him! Get him!" You're like, "I don't think that's him." But uh, so I think that's an interesting game. And then uh, they actually play the next team on, on our list, which is Auburn. And I think this, I think that game is fascinating because Penn State. I think could really bump up more given, I mean, on, on paper, the talent that they have. I'm not saying that they're going to finish top 10, but I do think that of all the teams, they might be one of those that could bump up and just and just reach a little bit above where the projections say. And then on the exact opposite side, Auburn could just Ooh, buddy. fall like a rock. <laughs> Holy Moses. <laughs> what, what do yeah. you have to say about this Auburn team? I mean, this is tough because this is one of the ones of like when people because I am going to get I'm going to hear about Auburn throughout the offseason. And I don't even like I mean, I've got them projected at what, 18? Yeah. Um, and they were decent last season, in particular on defense where Derek Mason coached his butt off, yeah. <laughs> you know, like he hadn't called plays since his Stanford days on defense. Right. And they were at 10 last season. On Bader, you know, in Bader Inc. on defense, the offense was okay, kind of a middle of the road power five offense. You know, like we had them at 27. Um, the special teams weren't great, 59 overall. Their returning production numbers aren't bad. Their recruiting is still good, 15 overall, and their two year rolling recruiting. But I mean, this I feel like like there's an enormous but. <laughs> like Derek Mason. <laughs> Derek Mason took a pay cut to go somewhere else, right? Like their offensive coordinator, you know, that they had hired from the NFL stayed for two months and left, right? Like Brian Harson barely kept his job. Um, you know, like the model doesn't see any of that, right? Like the model thinks Derek Mason's going to be coaching next year. Um, so like, I would say this Auburn projection is like a big honking grain of salt, I see, I would argue, I think if you were going to like build, put a confidence interval around this, like there's like maybe a little bit of upside, but a whole lot of downside versus this projection. Oh yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it, this could just be full morale, right? Like the team just quits yeah. on and it seemed like Brian Harson was more of a disciplinarian than uh, Gus Malzahn. And it, I mean, there was a lot of other problems too. <laughs> One of them was that. And you have Malzahn leave, and now you're trying to shuffle through your system. You have a, a legitimate coup among your admin, you know, trying to find whatever possible. It was like it was like a presidential, you know, op campaign, trying to just find whatever you can on your opponent while he's in Mexico. And then, surprise, they didn't have the money to fire him because they're freaking Auburn, and right. they they are they're already like forty million in the hole with Malzahn. It was just it's a total disaster, and. 
there is a real world where Harson just says, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna coast, man. Like I'm gonna collect my paycheck and then I'm gonna be a coordinator somewhere else. And um, you know, like I'm not gonna recruit like, you know, I think there is a lot of scenarios if if you're uh, benedict cumberbatch you know you're like trying to flip through all the scenarios a lot of them are going to lead to this team gives up on the coach but i like i like the fact that there is talent here and um but like i'm curious who the quarterback's gonna be and (laughs) i think i think that that's one of the outstanding questions on the plains in uh in alabama (laughs) (laughs) um and then the coordinators I, like I'm just trying. I mean, I've never heard it. Like I really, I'll be frank and and transparent. I was trying to figure out who these people were. Um, you know, oftentimes you look at a national team. I go, oh, okay, yeah, I know they're coordinators, but like he kind of had a really scramble here. Uh, what do you think about yeah. the staff that he put together at the last minute? So I can't even remember who he hired as a DC. It's Jeff um, Schmedlin. Yeah, no, I didn't love the hire. You're not going to follow up, Derek. Like Derek Mason. You're not gonna. You, this is not gonna. This is not an upgrade. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know it's it, it's interesting. So like you're gonna get a downgrade in coach, a downgrade in culture. Um, yeah. And but you but there there are still our players. So this is a team that that could possibly jump up. But again, like like you mentioned, the model more is just taking into consideration everything that's happened that isn't really personnel related. Um, for the most yeah. part. Yeah. So. Good luck, Auburn. Uh, they they do have an easy, yeah. easy schedule, though. They have like Hampton. <laughs> I know they have Western Kentucky. I think they play Mercer. Uh, so you know you're gonna get you're gonna get three wins right off the bat, unless you uh, you know lose to Jacksonville State like like Florida State did. But uh, yeah, I think this is a team that certainly could fall. But I like the fact that you can see through the model that they do have the players to on paper keep them keep them at a, at a higher level. Yeah, I mean, they still have a top twenty. I mean, like they still have top twenty recruiting classes coming in, right? Like, um, and and by the way, we use average recruiting ranking. Um, we don't use whatever they come up with for the actual class rankings because that's not as predictive. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious what what would happen with quarterbacks. Although there's a lot of burnout quarterbacks too, so it's kind of hard, you know. Like that for every Lawrence, you have a lot of five star guys that are just fine, you know. They're not like transcendent yes. quarterbacks, yeah. So, um, all right, the next group, like Uigalele, his current successor. Oh yeah, good lord, oh my who's god, who's not even fine? Like that kid is not fine. <laughs> the uh, let, let, you know, moving on to the next group of teams, we have four more that are kind of clumped together. Actually, I'd say three more here because there's oh, was, yeah, four, four is fine. Um, and that's Miami at 19, Pittsburgh at 20, Ole Miss at 21, and Florida at 22. You know, of those four, Rob, I mean, also teams that are quite interesting, you know, Pittsburgh without Kenny Pickett, you have Lane Kiffin <laughs> without Matt Corral uh, looking and, and just giving everyone his business card at the networking events, trying to get the heck out of Oxford. You have Florida with a new coaching staff that has like a position for everything that's ever needed in that program. And Miami yeah. with Cristobal, like, you know, that, that has recruited well, has an interesting class. I think all of these teams are really fascinating to talk through. Uh, you know, what, what do you think about Miami? Obviously, Cristobal goes there. He makes some interesting hires at coordinator and they certainly have some talent. I mean, you got to like, look, I don't love the Gaddis hire. I think he's fine. Like, I don't think Michigan was ever going to catch Ryan Day's offense with Josh Gaddis. Right. But he's an improvement over what they've been doing. 
You know, like I think he's better, going to be better than Rhett Lashley um, was. I, I mean, he's a total mercenary. You know, wear your wear your chainmail to bed because he's going to be coming for you from behind. <laughs> like he's going to get you <laughs> with your back. He's going to stab you right in the back. Um, you know, like like uh, is Kev, hiring Kevin Steele is a choice, but he's a good DC. Like he was like, you know, people forget like on the on the back end of those on the guest malls on tenure at Auburn, his offenses sucked. Um, and, and Kevin Steele and those defenses really kept Auburn competitive um, over those years. So like they were at 47 in beta rank. I think Kevin Steele is going to provide some significant improvement. Their special teams were awful. 65 overall. They returned a decent amount on offense. 71% of the production coming back. They've recruited really... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, 63% of the production coming back. Um, they got a lot coming back on defense. They've recruited really well. Number 11 overall in the two-year rolling recruiting ranking. Um, I thought that they found a quarterback towards the end of last year. Yeah. I, I mean, I think this Miami squad like should take a step forward. I think Cristobal in particular, he got his offensive line coach to go with him. And what I think is an enormous loss for the Pac-12, because he's a Pac-12 guy, is Joe Salavea. <laughs> Arizona alum had pretty much only coached out on the West Coast, is now the defensive line coach at Miami. Like, I think this Miami team could be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Done a, a pretty good job, all things considered, Manny Diaz. So you're recruiting there. A big, talent-rich area. So you have to think, if you're projecting in yeah. the future, that's something. And, and if you, you say what you want about Chris Ball, and I will say a lot about Chris Paul, but I, he does recruit very well. I think it's interesting. The, the number that pops out to me is the offense because you talked about that a little bit. I, you know, I don't. I think there. I fight with myself for the, over this because I do not trust Chris Ball um, as a head coach on offense. I just don't. Um, yeah. I also realize that. I he, mean, I think Gaddis is solid. Like, I think he's pro. Like, he's but like. I don't trust Cristobal to be able to put together an effective passing game. Like that's a big problem. Yeah. I, I think one of the things is like, is, is he going to let Gaddis, like, is he going to, you know, float him out into the ocean and be like, do you be yourself? Or you know, is it going to be like, we're running the ball right. there. Like, you know, we're going to do the same thing that I've been doing. So I think that's interesting. And then on defense though, I, I'm curious to see what happens on that front. 47 is way too low for Miami and that talent. I do think that they'll be able to um, build that up. And then like you mentioned the new quarterback and the fact that Cristobal went out and he found somebody just focused specifically on quarterback like that's what they do um so i think that's interesting because like you mentioned miami i think diaz was trying to hang his hat on on the quarterback that they they were able to to and he's a young guy um they were to be able to develop to develop and whether or not he was going to be able to continue to produce for them so miami is super interesting and then like they do they do they play like bethune cookman and Southern yeah. Miss and Middle Tennessee. So, you know, check those off. And and then the ACC, right? Like, I mean, they should be able to clock up some wins. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but here's the thing. Like, if Clemson's offense doesn't get it, like if Clemson, who has two brand spanking new, never called plays before in their lives, play callers, like if Clemson stumbles at all, like the ACC is wide open. Can you imagine that? Chris Ball gets there second year, first year. He takes the ACC, and then that that program's off and running. Uh, but then, it, yeah. but off and running, I mean, like wins nine and ten games, and the Miami fans get really mad. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, I, like I think, my, I mean, I think Chris Ball, like, if he recruits like he did at Oregon in Miami, yeah. he's going to be fine. Like, cause like if you take his recruiting prowess from Oregon, a place that produces almost no players, <laughs> and, and pop it in a place that produces 
a ton of NFL players. Like, I think things will be fine. Yeah, no, I feel you there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Um. All right, next coming up at number 20 is Pitt. And this is fascinating, right? Like, so I will be frank. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. I watched like four Pitt games max, like all together. Yeah. Like, and if you put them all together, I watched one Pitt game max. So everybody talks about Kenny Pickett, and I get it, right? Like, Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett, he was awesome. Um, you know, hopefully he gets drafted in the NFL. But then when you look at the Bader right. numbers, see, they're 48 in offense. So what, you know. I just think that's fascinating. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Kenny Pickett, like it was all Kenny Pickett, that offense, right? So like they're, um, you know, like they they certainly improved. Like in the last, like in 2019, they were below sub 100 on offense. Um, but they were at number 19 in effective pass. And then they just didn't play it. Like, I mean, like what really like knocked their number down is they put up a ton of those numbers to get some really, really bad defenses, right? Like that game where like Kenny Pickett, like Wake Forest is a God awful defense. Um, you know, and so like, that's, that's part of the reason their numbers really like, it's like when Mark Whipple got hired by Nebraska, I was like, is this really a good hire? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but then in comes Frank Signetti Jr. from Boston College, who has coached God just terrible offenses to Boston College. So it's a very pit hire. Yeah, like I just so like everybody last year because because Kenny Pickett was putting up these big numbers against really really bad you know really bad defenses um, that they were playing. You know they you know they. You know, let's look. Where are we at with Pitts? Like, I'll pull up Pitts' offensive strength of schedule from Beta Rank from last year. Um, but you looked at that. Everybody thought, "Oh man, this isn't like this. This offense is really cranking." Like, what made Pitt work was their defense was actually, which has been the calling card under Narduzzi, was really good. They were at 15. I expect the defense is going to be really good again next yeah. year. Yeah. Um, I don't, however, like have like, because they have for years really underperformed on offense. Um, I don't buy the idea that they're suddenly going to become some like offensive juggernaut. Yeah. In fact, their strength of schedule was one Oh six. They played the 106 easiest slate of offenses or defenses of, of all the offenses in college football. So that really dinged their numbers is like a lot of their numbers came against not too great competition. Yeah. And it's a very Narduzzi thing to go back to yeah. like, Hey, I won all these games. Now I'm going to do the thing that didn't get me to all those games again. So, yeah. Uh, and I remember Kenny Pickett was basically like, Hey, our offensive coordinator is my guy and he believes in me. Um, and now he's gone. Right. And now you got somebody that's going to be more turtle. And I mean, 
that's yeah. not to say that Pitt won't go out and win seven games and like probably you know hit Clemson in the mouth in the first half and try to hold you know like try to make that game a rock fight. But I don't see you know like some of these other teams like we talking about Miami has a chance to really pop up. Um, you have you know maybe maybe Florida right like I just don't put Pitt in that area. They'll have a good defense. I mean, Pitt's but. defense is good enough that like in a big game you know, they gift their offensive turnovers. They're in it, you know, like they're, they, they're like, if you look at how good they could like be even just one side of the ball carrying it and their schedule, they have a schedule where you like, you catch some luck and they could get on a run, but like, they're also the kind of team like that. If they got into a bowl where the other team cared, they could get annihilated. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and then, you know, they got Rhode Island, Western Michigan and Tennessee. So, I mean that Tennessee team that that'll be a fun game to watch. Tennessee will be a fun one, yeah. Um, and that is in Pitt at Pittsburgh, so so good for them for knocking that one down. All right, going from a team that probably won't have offense to a team that might only have offense. We're going to Old Miss, yeah. <laughs> Old Miss Lane Kiffin. You know, uh, settling down one more. You know, one last ride for the Mohicans here at I think at Old Miss with Kiffin. Uh, they come at number twenty one. Top 10 offense. I think one of the things that jumped out for me was the the top 24 defense in, in this past year. Yeah. I mean, look, I bag on DJ Durkin a lot. I don't think he's a particularly good defensive coordinator. Um, and I think he like he's going to A&M and that's going to be a step down from what they had on Mike Elko. But the defense was OK. Like that's that's, you know, like that's on this like slightly better than average power five defense at number 24 for them. Um and it's not like Lane Kiffin is necessarily going to be able to go out and just hire whoever he wants for that defensive coordinator. Like, I mean, he's not going to be able to go out and just like uh, Ryan Day did and like buy Jim Knowles, you know, <laughs> to go coach his defense. I don't even know if they've announced a defensive coordinator because I think his brother left to go back to the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right now it's listed as like, there's a co-defensive coordinator, uh, Chris Partridge, but okay. Uh, so. I don't think he's called plays though. He's been there since 2020. Um, so I don't know who's getting like, cause like I, th- I thought, I thought Chris Kiffin was supposed to be the other co-defensive coordinator. And I think he's got, like I said, like, I think he's gone back to the NFL in, in true Kiffin um, fashion, right? Leaves when he's needed most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think he only was on staff for like two months or something like that. Um, their new OC is Charlie Weiss Jr. Hell yeah, get in there, <laughs> get in there, Charlie. Nepotism to the I max. Mean, Lane Kiffin calls like Lane. I will give like I like Lane Kiffin has hired some dudes that came out of that Baylor scandal, um, including Art Bryles' kid, including Jeff Levy, Art Bryles' son-in-law. Um, Guys that sort of have like unambiguously for family reasons continue to defend Art Bryles. But Kiffin is a bit of a mercenary and just wants to win. And those guys brought a more interesting rushing attack into his pretty sophisticated passing game that he already had. Um, and they were actually pretty good running the football last season. They were number 15. You know, Matt Corral could actually run the football too. Pretty mobile guy. Um, 26 in effective pass. You know, and I, they're really explosive, number 10 in explosive drives. I'm really interested to see what they keep and what they run in st- steps Jackson Dart, you know, like he of the, he of the aggressive face paint. <laughs> like, I mean, just like, I can't, I could not be more excited to see like 
Lane Kiffin, like just losing his, like just like doing Lane Kiffin things while like Jackson start dart stands next to him on the sideline. Like just like could not. Like, I can't be more excited for the offense. I think the defense you could like. I think depending. Depending on who they hire, you could see them potentially take a little bit of a step back. Um, and I think this team, like we had them last season at number nine overall, we're projecting them to take a step back um, at 21 here. I mean, they recruit pretty well at number 19 overall. Um, you know, they're not returning, you know, they're below 50% returning production on the offensive side of the football. Um, you know, it's, I, I mean, like there's some, there's some real positives to talk yourself into with them, but um you know, like I, I think that they're, I think, you know, like with the, you know, with the quarterback change and like some of the things they're going to have to work on, I, I think they've got their work cut out for them a bit next season. Yeah. It'll be interesting to, it'll be a fun season for sure. It will be an interesting season, uh, for on, on many levels. So uh, one eyed Willie included with, you know, with the Jackson dart right next to him. Um, let's go to Florida and I, I'll put Florida in this last, you know, tranche of, teams and then there's a little bit of a drop off between that you know obviously Billy Napier takes over you know it wasn't like Dan Mullen didn't recruit well he just didn't recruit well given Florida's expectations I think is that fair yeah and I mean yeah I mean like Florida you're sitting on a bunch of talent he didn't bring it all in yeah and then the team gave up I mean like this this team was done after a while so I do think that the numbers here are interesting they could pop up you know all that said I mean the the you think with a Dan Mullen team that an offense that was at 45 is like completely unacceptable and, and it is. So I'm curious if you think that can pop up with the new hires and then on the defensive side, like top 16, that's not terrible. And, um, you yeah. know, are they going to be able to, to carry that through into 2022? Yeah. I mean, the defense really got down, let down by the offense last season, you know, like they didn't have great starting field position. Um, you know, they were often put in a, a little bit of a pickle last year by the offense. Um, but you know, like I think, I think that the, you know, the, you know, Billy Napier is bringing along his defensive coordinator from Louisiana. That's a really good pickup. Um, that was sort of like the, one of the things that really helped carry them last year. The offense was okay. I think the offense should take a step forward with Napier, but I, I mean, I gotta say like he didn't, Napier didn't run some amazing group five offense at Louisiana. So I'm interested to see schematically how this plays out for him in the SEC, where you have some really, really good defensive coordinators and defenses. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I like, I, like, I, I think he's get like, they're going to have to find a way to step up their game offensively. I, th- I think it's reasonable to expect them to put together a top, you know, like 30 offense, you know, I think that's pretty reasonable for them, but I don't think it's reasonable to look at them. I mean, in Florida was like a wild ride last year, right? Like they had some games that they just got boat raced. They had some games like, and you're like, oh, they're done. They've given up for the season. And then they had a couple games where they show up and play and they they basically quit again. It was just a really wild year for them. And they have an interesting schedule, right? They got Utah right off the bat. Uh, South Florida yeah. with a new coach. I think they get South Florida as a new coach. I got to go back and look. I know that they um, are, are an interesting team. Obviously, Florida State uh, at the end of the year, which could be interesting. Like what outside of hey, what do you think about Napier? I, when when Florida hired him, I kind of thought, ah, I mean, like, yeah, it may make sense, but it wasn't that home run splash iron. That doesn't mean that it's not going to be a good one. But I just kind of thought 
if you're Florida, I almost treated it similar to USC where like, you know, some of the names that were thrown around for USC and I'm like, you're USC, like go pay the money and go get somebody. And they did. They got Lincoln Riley. Yeah. So um, with Florida, I know that Napier turned down a lot of teams. I think he turned down Auburn. Um, and I think a lot of coaches are probably going to do that given the disaster of the boosters and the administration there. But, you know, like Napier in his first year, like, are, you think they're going to get past 20? Uh, I wouldn't expect them to get, I mean, I think like there's a hard cap for them around like 15 and I would be, I would expect them to finish right around in this where we got them, which is like, you know, like the lower twenties, um, which to be frank, is not all that far off where they finished last year. Um, but the Napier hire, I mean, it's just, it's strange when you think about like the fact that an SEC school like Florida is having to go all the way down to like the Sun Belt. <laughs> you know, so like, I mean, to, I mean, to get Billy Napier, right? Like, you know, you would, I guess you'd maybe like, I mean, like Florida, like you could like, yeah, sure. Missouri went and hired Drinkwitz from Appalachian State, right? Like that's Missouri though. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, Florida, you expect them to be able to maybe go poach like a power five coach um, and, and get them to come. And, you know, like they did with Dan Mullen and um, they, they certainly weren't able to here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm really interested to see what he's able to do in his first year. The one thing that's interesting is they really did like he pushed hard on Florida to be able to fill in a bunch of just bizarre, crazy positions. So they're going to have the admin well, staff. He, and he hired a good recruiting. You know, he got some guys that can really recruit for his positions, you know, coaches. Yeah. Yeah. You learn the lessons of the other of your predecessor yeah. who got fired. He's like, okay, well, I mean, first thing. Yeah. Part of Mullen's problem too is like George is on an absolute heater recruiting and just won a national title. So that's a problem. Yeah. Well, going after that, we're going to drop down to the next group and really from number 23 to 30, I guess there's a little bit of drop off with Purdue, but a lot of these teams are just really squeezed in tight together. So I think, and it's a funny mix of teams, right? We have, you know, teams like Air Force and Texas, like in the same, yeah. we're going to bring them in the same sentence. And so it's uh, 23 Air Force, number 24, North Carolina, number 25, Iowa, and number 26, Minnesota. Um, and Texas is after that, but let, let's stop at Minnesota for now. Um, cause that gives us a few more teams to, to cut through here. I'm fascinated that air force is top 23, Rob. I mean, obviously, I mean, they, they make the most out of their talent, but particularly, I mean, I think air force has been pretty strong the last five years, uh, but top 25, that that's kind of exciting to see. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I, I really like, um, you know, this air force team, they've done a terrific job. Um, you know, maximizing the talent that they have. Hazik Daniels, their quarterback is good. Their offense was number 19 overall in beta rank. They've been, I mean, Air Force these past couple seasons has put together some really good years in the, in the drive and play level data. They just have like horrible luck in big games, <laughs> like lots of turnovers, you know, like they, like last, this past season, like they finally get over it. Don't turn the ball over three times against Boise state and they beat Boise state, but then they choke like at a couple other games. So I like this air force team. Like they've been the best team in advanced stats in the mountain West for a couple of years now. Um, <clears throat> And they're, I mean, they're returning a decent amount. Daniel should be back at quarterback. I think that really opens things up for them. Like when he's hurt, that's when like their real problems show up. They do have a new defensive coordinator coming in. Um, 
you know, so John Radzinski, who had been their defensive coordinator, is uh, taking a new job. Um, you know, and uh, an improvement. I mean, uh, an improvement job for him. But uh, Lamondola um, is going to be the new uh, defensive coordinator for them. So that's something to keep an eye on because, like the like it, it like the service academies often put together pretty good tough to stop offenses right like with the the triple option um you know really efficient really well coached um and they often struggle on the defensive side of the ball um and air force has put together a pretty good group of five defense they were 46 last season that's the real watch out for them is being able to maintain that yeah it's always fascinating the you know the air force special which is like 19 possessions you know 70 yards 15 minutes taken off the clock <laughs> and then they either kick a field yeah. goal or they, you know, it's like a halfback dive or something. So uh, it's always fascinating to see what they're able to do, but yeah, top 20 offense uh, in the country, you know, according to beta rank. And uh, I love this, you know, number one fifteen in terms of their recruiting number three for talent development. I mean, they really make the yeah. most out of that. I mean, obviously it's the system, right? It's the, it's, it's hard to prepare for the triple option, well, but I, but, yeah, we, but that's one of the things that I like about our coaching and development metric is like, it's not just like based on like the draft, like Air Force isn't getting guys drafted, but they do a better job with the guys that, I mean, their average recruited two year rolling recruiting ranking for like their star ranking is under two. <laughs> like, their, their average player is less than a two star. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think that like, to your point, I think the the fact the fact that they're 46 on defense for me is more impressive than that's the incredible. fact that they're 20, yeah, that they're 19 on offense. Like it's just, that's amazing. Um, so we'll definitely keep an eye on them. I mean, they're always going to be a tough out, but we have seen service Academy suck before. So, I mean, yeah. really it's a testament to the coaching staff to be able to, to keep that system and really build it up to, to be something that can break through the top 25, you know, below them, which is fascinating is North Carolina. Um, they come in at 24. They got, you know, we got Mac Brown. He, he was for a while, you know, he had those coordinator hires. He looked like he had things going. And then Sam Howell comes in. This could have been a really big year for them. They, they, they don't fall off a cliff, but they certainly didn't live up to expectations. Uh, looks like their defense did. <laughs> you know, what do you think about, uh, what do you think about North Carolina this year? Well, I mean, he's finally fixed his problem, which was Jay Bateman. Like, and I applauded the hire when he made it. Like, I, Jay Bateman had been the defensive coordinator at Army and had put together a good Army defense. And I thought, oh, this is a great hire by Mac Brown. Um, and it didn't work <laughs> at all. Bateman was terrible. Defense last season finished at 84 in beta rank. In steps Gene Chizik, fresh off, fresh off of just endless Twitter hot takes. Let's go. Uh, Let's go. To, like <laughs> step back in. I mean, it's funny because like I mean, like Mac Brown would like he was first floating names for his coordinators. It was like a gene shit, like it was like Manny Diaz, like guys from his past at Texas, right? And everybody kind of rolled their eyes. And then he went out and hired Phil Longo and Jay Bateman. And everybody was like, yeah, this is great. Like these are two really good names. And Phil Longo has really worked. Now they had to replace a ton on the offensive line. They had to replace running backs outside of Sam Howell, you know, this past offseason. Um you know, but like the defense did not. And so like maybe it's going back to the, you know, like going back to what worked with Chizik. I mean, I feel, I feel like I can't fault him after being all excited about Bateman and then it didn't work. So like, yeah, sure. Why not? Like, let's try Gene Chizik. And it was an interesting, you know, focus when it came to um, like how right? they, they announced Mac Brown. I'm like, OK, whatever. But yeah. then, you know, he he was he was at least creative on the, the coordinator, you know, hires. Yeah. 
and I think that's kind of like he, for me, he really set the tone for like, Hey, if you're going to do this, here's the best way to do it. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to make creative hires. I'm going to try to recruit, but I'm also going to have a staff that's focused on that. And I mean, they did see some success. It wasn't like, you know, North Carolina was awful last year and, and they were certainly better the previous year. Um, 84 to your point though, on defense. I mean, that's just unacceptable. Yeah. I'm interested to see if Chizik can really build that back up. And then, you know, where are they without Howell who I think anybody would say didn't have the year that he wanted. Um, yeah, but top ten recruiting class, Rob. Yeah, I mean the last two year rolling. I mean, here's the thing about Mac Brown. Mac Brown still owns the living room. That living room may be on Zoom some of the time, but Mac Brown still owns it, right? Like, did a really good job recruiting. Um, I think the talent's really going to start to show through for them too. Like, um, I expect Gene Chizik to look like a genius next year because, like, they're just too talented to be sitting at 84 overall. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good spot to be in when the bar is so low. Uh, Florida A&M had the best uniforms in the country, App State and Georgia State. They also play Notre Dame on their schedule, so that will be interesting. Um, all right, I, I I I want everybody that's listening to to feel and hear the eye roll that I that I'm currently doing when I look at the University of Iowa, which is up at number twenty five, um, because this freaking program one oh six on offense, twenty one on defense. Um, I mean, they are what they are, right? Like we've even written articles about the nepotism that's going into that program, but it's so friggin' frustrating because Iowa could be so much better. Like, ah, Rob, come on. Like we're in the golden age of Iowa football and, and you have the son of the head coach running a trash offense over and over and over again. And this was the, this was his worst offense by far. Um, even just in raw metrics, like, so to give you an example, um, like against a pretty bad schedule, Pitt averaged 2.7 something points per game or drive. I, Ohio State, who had the best offense in college football last year, averaged over three. Um, neither of those teams had particularly, like, I mean, like Iowa had excellent starting field position at averaging, you know, like in top 20 in starting field position and only averaged 1.5 points per drive. (laughs) I mean, so many turnovers gifted them by that Iowa defense. Great started field position from punts. And they really, really struggled. I mean, and that's the story, right? Like they're, I don't know. I mean, Phil Parker is their defensive coordinator. He's one of the very best in college football. Um, You know, they were at 21 last season, really kind of holding the fort for them. Um, they've got some work cut out for them. I mean, like they're, you know, they've got, they're decent. They've got a decent amount coming back a lot coming back on the offense, but unfortunately they're bringing back for junior. And I just don't think, think things get fixed as long as he's there. I'm curious at the number you have for defense, right? They had about 21. And I think when yeah. people think of Iowa last year, they thought of, Oh, great defense. They got, uh, I mean, I think I would argue they got lucky on a lot of turnovers. I mean, some of them yeah, at some point. Well, that's what, yeah. I mean, well, that's I, what beta rank saw. Yeah. I, oh, oh, so you're, you're saying that it wasn't necessarily based on like the actual performance. It was more like, yeah, they got turnovers. Good for them. No, I was like, they did have like, they were number one in negative drives, forcing three and outs, turnovers, putting bad things on the offense, <laughs> but they were at 93 and drive efficiency. You could drive on this Iowa team. Oh, okay. Um, that's the tougher part is like, they could find, like they did a good job living 
any explosive plays, but they were a little bit like home run or, or, you know, like home run or strike out last season. Like they, they tended to like come up with something big um, or like they could give up, like they could give up a long drive. Now giving up long drive. I mean, like you'd much rather give up long drives than like really big, like a lot of big plays, but um, you know, just still, I mean, like they were good, like they were very good, but like, I mean, I think you saw, as you saw over the season, right? Like, Man, when that Iowa defense turnover luck ran out, like they did give up some points. They did. And I'm also wondering if they were impacted by the offense. And we've seen teams like some, yeah. this in the Pac 12 where like the defense isn't that bad. I mean, like we've seen it where it's terrible defenses, yeah. but like they're not as bad as the numbers just because their offense is three and out all the time. So I'm wondering if that like bled in, you know, when the offense is not giving the defense a rest if they're not on the field that much. And then the defense has to come back on 30 seconds later, like that also wears on a defense. So that's, that's interesting. Um, you know, good, good development on their end. I think they're top 20. Um, you know, I don't think I was ever going to really recruit that. Well, I know that I think they've got a pretty good running back though, uh, that they, they they're 20. I mean, like they're at a spot where like a lot of programs would love to be. I mean, they're not great, but they're at 25 overall in recruiting. Yeah. And if you're Iowa shoot, take that every time. Um. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, let's go to Minnesota. PJ Fleck, number 26. Yeah. Um, again, they're grouped in with this Air Force, North Carolina, Iowa, um, Texas right below them. Uh, I, I'll be frank on this front. Like, I know PJ Fleck. I know he wears a tie. Um, I know he, like, yells a lot and is, like, very charismatic. I didn't pay any attention to this team outside of that uh, that just shellacking they gave Colorado when they came to Boulder. So what do we have yeah. to expect here from uh, Minnesota? I mean, so like, like they just fired their offensive coordinator, who's now the offensive coordinator at Colorado. <laughs> and they're bringing back Kirk Chirac who um, was the architect of their best offenses. Yeah. Um, but then he went to Penn State and it really did not work and he got fired after one year. They had a good offensive line last year. The defense wasn't great. 39 overall in beta rank. They certainly have their work cut out for them there. The uh, the special teams could certainly improve sitting at 44. I mean, the, 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 the recruiting is not great. I mean, 43 overall. Um, certainly, you know, they're going to need to improve that, but they bring a good amount back on the offense. So like you can talk me into this offense, taking a step forward with Shiraka coming back. Um, you know, I think it, but like, they're, they're kind of like middle, like we're, we're projecting them to have some improvement on the offensive side of the ball. Cause if you look at their numbers on offense and defense, those are kind of like, those are middle of the road ish, not great numbers overall. So like we're, we are projecting them to improve on offense next year. What do you think of the defensive side? Joe Rossi? Is that the... Yeah, yeah, Joe Rossi. That's their DC. Mm, okay. Interesting games coming up, too. They're like, I mean, not only one, really. <laughs> New Mexico State, Western Illinois, and they, they do have Colorado at home. So, um, a, a revenge game for Mark Sanford. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, good job, Minnesota. All right, let's go to Texas. Texas, way more interesting. And and by the way, oh. I, lo- I love this. They are t- they are literally like they have the same beta rank as uh, as Houston does. 
So I know <laughs> one of these teams has way more money than the other one, and they are the same. But let's talk about Texas, Rob. What, what do you think? What? Way more everything. I mean, like I, I've been to both of those stadiums. Like those are not the same. <laughs> so um, Texas, I mean, it was a massive disappointment for them. Like offensively, it was clicking early on, and then the wheels came off. I think teams really adjusted to what they were able to do at QB. Um, so I'm really interested to see what they are able to get going offensively um, in year two. Steve Sarkeesian remains a really good play caller. I would be surprised if they don't get things cleaned up. I expect uh, Ewers, the transfer and the five-star, who basically rode the pines and cashed a bunch of NIL checks at Ohio State last season. Okay. Um, yeah, I expect I expect him to be your starter. Um, you know, like I don't think Hudson Card is your guy. Um, so yeah, I would expect it to be yours unless card takes a step forward. They still have quite, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no, but that's what your, to your question, like they were 57. I mean, do you think Kwiatkowski gets this defense turned around? I thought that was such an interesting, I thought it was a good hire. Yeah, I did too. I, I didn't think it was a brilliant hire because just the system that he runs is kind of quirky. Um, yeah, we got the two high safeties. You can't see him on the screen and like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Like I didn't want to watch a touch a, a ton of Texas football this year, but um, you know I'm sure that he adapted based on you know who he was playing and stuff. But uh, man, that really did work out the first year. And one of the things that we were hoping was you know when USC went out and hired uh, Texas's coordinator for their defensive coordinator, and that was a disaster. I'm like, oh, okay, well maybe Quietas can come in and, and really make a difference. And I mean, they really have to to change that. I, I'm with you. I think the offense is going to pop up. I. I Look, it was what it was under Sark, but like that that guy knows how to call plays, and that offense is going to yeah. hump once he gets his pieces in. But that's the biggest issue, right? If if Texas is still giving up like thirty points a game to like you know middling teams and loses to Kansas, like <laughs> I mean, obviously if they lose to Kansas, is a disaster. But you know if they're if they're putting themselves in a position to lose to teams like Texas Tech, you know, and like that kind of ilk their last year, I think in the, the Big Twelve. Um, I mean, how much? How long does? I mean, Sark's going to obviously make a move. I think he has, right? He has one card to burn on that front, right? With the defensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got, I mean, he can fire Kwiatowski and give himself some more time. Um, yeah, I mean, they just couldn't stop the run last year. 84, an effective rush. And they gave up a ton of big plays as a result. I mean, but in some ways it sort of feels like with that, you remember that Washington, you know, what, what does the Washington defense that Kwiatowski runs look like when you can't stop the run? they're not good you know like, <laughs> and you got but you got to have some guys like the greg Gaines, you know vita vea type and texas didn't have those guys yeah i think it's fascinating that they're uh mono imano with houston uh coming in at number 28 same same numbers uh well, i mean at least the same yeah. beta rank number as texas has obviously they they kind of swung for the fences and bringing holgerson in and seems to be paying off uh, I have though seen way too many pictures of him smoking a cigar by a pool after beating like rice or like Western Illinois. And I'm like, all right, let's, yeah. you know, let's act like we've been there before Holgerson before we start, start celebrating this. No, that's, that's not, that is not how he goes. Like I'm, I'm surprised. Like, I think the only thing that surprised me is we haven't seen a picture of like some like goofy rivalry trophy at like a poker table with him. Like, <laughs> I'd appreciate that. At least it's creative, you know. <laughs> well, so, I mean, their defense was pretty good for a group of five defense last year. And they, what's interesting is they were able to put together an offer to keep Doug Belk, the defensive coordinator, even though there were some power five programs looking to hire him. Nice. Um, 
Yeah, and the offense is like, what was it, 51? There's certainly some room for improvement there with Holgerson. Um, he and Clayton Toon really have to get on the same page and I think get that offense going. Like, they they were at 32 in effective pass last season. I think for Holgerson's offense that he's runs, like, they've got to be in the top 15 in effective pass. I think it's interesting with their schedule, what they have coming up here. And I, and I agree. Like, right, one of the, the interesting things about Houston, right, they joined the Big 12 um, – they're going to have more resources. They were already willing to commit some resources to build up that program. I mean, like I would argue that the fact that they put that money into basketball and football, put them in a position to get into the big 12. So really smart spending. Um, yeah, we'll see what like, you know, this coming year is like, they could have a really big year. They have yeah. Texas tech, UTSA and Kansas. Right? Like they could go three and Oh, and then just beat the tar out of their conference. And then, uh, I do think that they're in for a world of hurt when they get into the Big Twelve. Like, I don't, I don't know. Should I, should I believe in this Houston team as much as I think some people do? I mean, I, I look, I mean, like the Big Twelve. Like, if you look at what the top of it's going to be by the time Houston joins and Texas and Oklahoma are gone, like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't like you. You put them in squarely in the. I mean, I would put Houston up against Kansas State. Right. Like as far as like ability to recruit and everything, I mean, like, and, like, I think, I don't think they're going to be that far behind. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I, I, for, I, I'm kind of building up the big 12 to be like this powerhouse without Texas. And I mean, there's Oklahoma. some good programs. I mean, like you got your Oklahoma States, you know, like, you know, Baylor, if they keep Dave Aranda for sure. But like, I don't think you'd put Houston, I mean, you put them behind them, but I don't know if you'd like put him like if you took away those two coaches, you know, and, and Holgerson really got it going, I could see Houston being really competitive. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, all right. Last two here. And there's a little bit of a dip between wake forest. And, you know, when you, we go all the way back up, we were talking about grouping like air force, North Carolina, Iowa, those teams, there is a bit of a dip between them and wake forest, but the dip between wake forest and Houston is not that big. Um, obviously super fun offense last year. Um, the defense, eh, you know, like, but, uh, but maybe, maybe they're the, the bizarro version of Iowa where like the, the defense was uh, hindered by the fact that the offense scored so much. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I, like, no, wait, wait, I mean, wake's the smallest, I think wake is the smallest power five school by a decent amount. I mean, and I did my graduate work at Vanderbilt and like that is a small undergraduate body. Like wake is even smaller. <laughs> like, I think there's like less than 2000 undergrads. Um, and so like, it is, it's a tough place. Like they're almost like a service Academy. It's a tough place to play It recruit to defense in particular, but their defense was really bad last year. 62 overall. That's a bad power five defense. Uh, but the offense was really good. Um, you know, whether the offense is, you know, I think the offense should be good again, offensive coordinator returns, quarterback returns, like, you know, I think that Wake should be good again, but, um, you, you know, like the defense is good. Like, like if they get any kind of defensive improvement beyond what we're expecting, which isn't much of anything, <laughs> to be honest, like we're not expecting this defense to be very good. Um, you know, like I, I, I think if they can get anything more out of them, I think you're really talking about it. Now they did hire, Wake did hire somebody from Purdue and Purdue had a decent defense-ish last season, but I don't think he was the play caller. Oh, um, okay. So they did replace their defensive coordinator. I think that's an, like, it gives them a shot to improve. Yeah. Yeah. Brad Lambert, they brought him over. So that's yeah. interesting that he didn't call plays. So that's, uh, I, I'm just fascinated to see if they can just keep throwing up like 50 burgers on teams because that they, it was kind of, it was fun to be able to cheer for them and just like, you know, yeah. those games, I, 
I want a. I would. I would call them like the brownie of my diet. Like I don't want to eat all brownies where it's just all offense, no defense. But I do appreciate a good brownie. You know, like I think Wake Forest yeah. kind of like scratched that itch. So um, it'll be interesting to see they're able to keep it forward. And I like the fact that they're returning um, so some cohesion on their offense. So uh, you know, top fifteen last year, sixty two on defense. Um, you know, not great at recruiting, but it is what it is. Um, all right, we got one more team here. We got Purdue. Purdue pops in at number 30, a bit of a drop-off here between them and Wake Forest and a bit of a drop-off between them and, of course, like the the top 16 uh, teams that we've been talking about here. Um, you know, Jeff Brom, a pretty consistent coach. You know, his name's been floated around as, you know, possible Louisville. You know, he, he's up for, you know, a couple maybe Pac-12 jobs. A couple teams are trying to eye him. I don't know what to think about Purdue because they're always fine. But you know, yeah. I, thirty sounds about right. I guess you know, given given their history, is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, like I, I think Brahms improved things. Like I like, I mean, they've got a quarterback coming back. They really improved. They were really good throwing the football last year, number five overall in effective pass. They offset that though by being really bad running the football, one seventeen in effective rush. Oh, so, geez. like I, I I think they're gonna have like I mean that's that's like a Mike Leach split. So like. Um, they're going to have to, if they're going to want to like improve offensively off of where they're at at 22, like they're going to have to probably get even better throwing the football or at least do something with running the ball. Um, defensively is where they probably need to improve the most though. 41 overall, um, you know, like they need to, and they need to do a better job last season. What killed them was big play 64 and explosive drive. So, um, they're, and they're all right in special teams. I mean, like produce a team that with the quarterback coming back and like, if you can talk yourself into some defensive improvement, which is tough because they lose the big guy off to the NFL. Um, what's his last, their defensive end, George, uh, Karloftis. really good. Um, you know, he might, he'll likely be a first or second round pick. Oh, um, so that like, but like that, that's a big thing to replace for Purdue coming in the next year. So like, I mean, like we've got them projected at 30, like you can talk me into some improvement with it, but, nice. um, I mean, the recruiting's not like, they're like, they're not like, I mean, like we've got USC still to do like later on in another show. If we like, they're at 30, like they're at number seven recruiting, but they're at 34, like Purdue's at 44 in recruiting. Like we've got them projected where they are partly based on, on the field results and that they do a decent job developing the talent they have. Oh, right on. Okay, well, we'll cap it here. Um, not that Purdue is like a, a great team to end on, but, you know, we, we do what we can yeah. here at 12 Pack Radio. Uh, <laughs> uh, next next time we'll go through teams 31 through probably about 45 or 50, um, which include a couple Pac-12 teams like you just mentioned, Rob, USC, Washington's in there, um, BYU, which is basically a Pac-12 team, although they're moving to the, the Big 12 here uh, next year. Just some interesting teams like – uh, Fresno State is kind of nestled in there. Baylor, uh, Memphis, a, a lot of teams that I think have have some potential to to jump up and uh, exceed expectations, or you know maybe fall like a rock. Um, anything else to cover here before we we sign off? No, no. Check out sharpcollegefootball.com and uh, our our YouTube site for some videos of the preview videos as we go through. Nice. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. We appreciate you. Um, let us know if you have any questions as we keep going through. We're gonna have more Pac-12 news to to you know sift through also as we move into spring ball which is freaking crazy i can't believe we're already doing that um and that's all we got uh make sure to tune in and we will catch you soon